Thank you so much. It's good to be here this evening. We've had a wonderful Sunday and this morning and, and uh, a little rest this afternoon and, and ready to go again. It's, it's just wonderful to be here. And, and we are excited, as Christian said, another addition to our family coming along very soon. So um, we, are, we, we spoke about this yesterday. We're taking suggestions for names. We were so decisive when it came to our two boys, and we, were, we had the names chosen so far ahead, but we're just really struggling with a girl's name. And so, you know, if you want to write a name on a card, and we're going to send the baskets around, and we'll take some suggestions, and, but, no, I would do that, but Alini, uh, I'm not sure about that. But listen, it is great to be here. Thank you, Christian and Caroline, for making us feel so welcome, and the family as well. Um, just wonderful. I said it this morning, and I'll say it again. Uh, it's more than just an anointing that is on him to lead and, and Caroline to lead. It's, it's an authenticity about them. And when you spend time with them, and even in a social setting, you, just, you see the heart just, just shining through. And, and, and we love their kids as well. Amen. We love, love their great kids as well. And uh, there was no amen. Did you say an amen? Yeah. Okay. Just checking. But it's my honor here to just um, to, to preach the Word of God, and I'm excited about that. It's something that I enjoy doing, and, um, and I'm just so honored uh, to be able to do that tonight. Um, really, as part of really leading in to what I'm going to share tonight, um, I do want to share a little bit about our story, because I, I do feel it's very much applicable to, to what I want to speak today. And, and so, really, from the outset, um, Alini and I... Um, we're, we're living in Scotland. We're living in a place called Hamilton uh, at the moment, just outside of Glasgow. But it's been a long journey to get there. And uh, I'm from South Africa. You can probably hear the accent, Eleni from Brazil. And um, 15, more than 15 years ago, um, God placed a call on my life right down in Cape Town. I was living at the time in South Africa. And placed a call on Eleni's life as well as she kind of dramatically turned back to God. And and so within the space of even just a few months, God took both of us to a beautiful place called Boca Raton, Florida. And, uh, and that's where we met, and that's where we married, and we honeymooned in the, honeymooned in the, in the Florida Keys. Um, it's, it's about two hours' drive from where we lived, so it was like the cheapest possible option at the time. But now that we're in, in talking to you in England, it sounds fantastic. And, uh, and so God brought us together, and we were part of a wonderful church uh, in Boca Raton, and just really feeling like God was taking us somewhere, and taking us somewhere quickly. We had a, a calling on our lives to, to be involved in local church in a pastoring context, and, and it seemed like our plans were right on track. And the week before uh, we got married, we already had family arriving for the wedding. I remember my sister was in the house, and... and and my boss called me in to work that day, and he said, Stephen, there's been a bit of a problem, and your visa renewal has been declined. And so it came as a bit of a shock, and obviously the week before your wedding, this is the last thing you need to hear. And it was devastating at the time, but God took us out of that place, took us out of Florida. He took us on a journey. That journey went through Brazil for 18 months, which was a wonderful experience for me, just getting to know the culture um, of my, my wife and, and, and learning to speak a bit of Portuguese at the same time. So that was great. And then God took us 11 years ago to, to Scotland. 
And um, I, said, I said it this morning, and if there's any Scots, please don't take offense, but Florida, Scotland. Florida, Scotland. Look, we've made some wonderful friends, and we have a, a, a family, really, in Scotland and our church there, but as far as the weather is concerned, it was not a comparison. And um, so reluctantly at first, I'm from UK Heritage. My, my grandfather was from here. Um, I, I usually actually say UK, but he's actually from England because I've kind of, a whole, in Scotland I have to say UK, but I feel at home here today, so it's England. And so in many ways, just coming back to roots, but... Um, God has really done an amazing work in our lives through all of this. We've always felt that he has a purpose for our lives, but through the ups and the downs, through the struggles and the good times, we've so much felt his presence on our, on our lives. We haven't felt like the two to three year plan that we had of, of being in ministry has happened. It took a little bit longer and, and it was to the, towards the end of our time at Harvest that we, we were blessed enough to take on the role of leadership in the church. And, and so it seemed like everything was finally coming into place. And, um, and God has been so good to us in, in, in Harvest and in everything we've been doing there. But then God spoke to us very clearly and said, I want you to lay this down. And so as of November uh, last year, we, we gave up the leadership um, of Harvest Christian Fellowship and, and uh, really are, are, are pursuing a course now where we believe God is going to lead us into something new. And as I preached the last message in November at Harvest, I, I preached on Ephesians 3. And, and you know that verse in Ephesians 3.20 where it says, God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. And I believe that was, that was something that was for the church, but it was also for us as individuals. And, and so maybe that gives you a little bit of a flavor of, of who we are, where we've come from. But the, the reason that I tell that story is not just... To, to, to focus on ourselves, but because I want to talk about a topic tonight, I want to talk about purpose and presence, God's purpose for your life and God's presence with you, and through our story, we've, we've known that, but I trust that you'll be encouraged by what I have to share tonight. I'm going to look at the, the, the story of Jeremiah, and we've got a few verses that we're going to look in in, in chapter 1 of Jeremiah, and, and then later on we're going to flick through to, to chapter 20 of Jeremiah. But, you know, it could be any of you that were standing up here and telling your story too. This is not about Jeremiah, it's not about Stephen and Alini, but it's about all of us that God has a purpose for us. And as he shows his purpose, he provides his presence too. So let's, let's read in verses, verse 4 of Jeremiah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Talking about purpose there. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And listen to Jeremiah's response. He says, alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, presence, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. 
purpose. Jeremiah's purpose was a prophet. I've spoken a little bit that I feel my purpose is is to serve in church, to be involved in, in preaching and teaching the word of God. But how many of you know that all of us have purpose? And that may not be an upfront ministry. That may not be something that is platform-based or in any way that, of that nature. In fact, Rick Warren said it like this. He said in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, he said, regardless of your job or career, you're called to full-time Christian service. In fact, he said a non-serving Christian is a contradiction in terms. So all of us have a calling. All of us have a purpose. And I shared this morning that, in fact, some of the most wonderful opportunities that I've had in, to speak to people about my faith, that people that are, are not believers have come in the workplace in the last six months. It's been truly amazing. And Alini knows so many of the stories, literally probably half a dozen people that I've had really meaningful conversations with. And, and, and sometimes as a pastor, and, and many times as a pastor, I was, I was caught up in so many things to do with the church that I almost found I was neglecting you talking to people about my faith who weren't saved. And so that applies to all of you in your different places, your different context, your families, your work settings, wherever it may be, that you carry a light to the dark places and places that Christian can never reach and places that Phil and and so many of the others can never reach. But you're there and you have a purpose in that place. But I want to speak to 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 a a few different groups of people that I believe God wants to speak to today. You may be here and and you may be thinking, well, I don't know Jesus Christ. You may be thinking, I don't even have a faith in him. How can I have any purpose that is in any way linked to him? But I want to say to you today, you may not recognize, you may not know him, but he knows you. And the fact that you don't have faith in him does not mean that he didn't knit you together in your mother's womb, that he didn't plan, that he didn't purpose things for you. He's still your creator, even though you may not realize it yet. And we spoke a little bit this morning about first steps, that if you are looking for purpose, you can find it in Jesus Christ. Your maker, your creator, the one who designed you, Whenever our lives are falling apart around us, there's the best place to go is to Jesus Christ, to God, our creator, who can show us how to put it all together again. But I also believe that there's, there may be some Christians here today, and, and, and there are Christians in many churches who, who, who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but don't have purpose, or maybe haven't found their purpose yet maybe are a little bit muddled about what it is exactly that God has called them to. Because I do believe you can live an aimless life as a Christian. That you can not really fulfill what you have been purposed and called to do. There's a wonderful verse in Matthew. You'll know it so well. You know the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And although I don't know your purpose, specific purpose, I don't know what specifically God has called you to, I know that he has called us as a church to the Great Commission. He's called us as a church to preach the gospel to the lost. And can I ask you a question? If you're sitting here today and you don't have purpose, well, what is your part that you have to play in that? 
Maybe it's a greater calling that the church has, but it's an individual calling that we as, as Christians have as well. But I also do feel, and, and Jeremiah was, was, was an example of this, that there's people that feel ad- inadequate. There's people that are Christians that have maybe received a calling. God has spoken great things to you and you, and you say, God, not me. How me? How can I ever do that? How can I, Jeremiah said, I'm just young. How can I ever do what you have called me to do, God? And the good news is that you're in good company, that God uses the weak, that God uses the foolish, and he's a specialist in using people that seemingly and worldly standards could achieve nothing, but God takes them, he uses them, and I praise God for that. I shared this this morning, and I know a lot of you are, 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 are here from this morning, so you know it already. By nature, I'm a timid guy. I couldn't even pluck up the courage to ask my wife on the first date when we first started dating. It was her who asked me. Look at those condemning <laughs> gazes there from the congregation. No one walked out, so we're okay. This is the 21st century, isn't it? So that's okay. And, and you know what? If it wasn't for her, if it wasn't that boldness that came from God in that moment, I'd probably still be single to this day. So praise God for that. But God uses even the timid. God uses the foolish things to shame the wise. And I rejoice in that every day because God has purpose even for people like you and me. But he also promises his presence, doesn't he? He promises his presence. Let's read Jeremiah 1, verses 18 and 19. And I love this part. It says, Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you. That's God's presence. And I will rescue you, declares the Lord. A fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall. It's talking about the presence of conflict, isn't it? It's not a Jamaican beach holiday. It's not we're saved to just bask in the the wonders of God. We're saved for a purpose. We're saved and there will come opposition. There will come attack. There will come battles against us. But God has strengthened us with his presence. He has empowered us to stand against. And for Jeremiah, it was particularly true. And, and obviously, I, I hope we don't have to deliver the kind of messages that Jeremiah had to deliver, endure the kind of persecution that he had to endure. It's very unlikely. But in our own circumstances, all of us have our own battles. But God promises that I am with you. So there's some of you that maybe this is speaking to at the beginning of your journey. You're finding your purpose. You're just starting out. But I also want to speak into the lives of people that maybe have been on the journey for a little while. And I want to look at Jeremiah chapter 20. It's a a few years later. Jeremiah is a little older and has been through quite a bit by the time we pick up the story in, in Jeremiah chapter 20. And in the early verses of this chapter, I'm not going to read it, but he had just been 
put in stocks by Pasha, who was the, the high priest at the time. He had been not only endured the pain of being put in stocks, but he'd been humiliated. He'd been placed in front of the city gate uh, to be ridiculed and mocked uh, by the people. And listen to what his response was. He said, Verse 7 of chapter 20, you have deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. It's, again, those hard words that he had to deliver. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. This was his, almost his moment of giving up. God, I didn't want to do it in the first place. I never wanted to do it, but you convinced me. You said you're going to be with me, but God, you deceived me. You never told me it was going to be this hard. You never told me I was going to encounter these things that I've encountered. And he wouldn't be the first prophet that has come to this point of giving up. We think of Elijah who said, Lord, take my life. I'm done. But my message is not a a message of doom and gloom today. My message is not a message of depression. Because although all of us do come through these difficult times, all of us have these difficult times. There is hope. And and let's read read a little bit about, about, in verses 9, about Jeremiah's response. He said this, he said, But If I say I will not mention his word or speak in his name, his word is like a a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. He's saying, Lord, I want to quit, but I just can't quit. Because God, you've called me for a purpose. It's in my bones. It's in my very makeup. He's talking about heart and bones. He's talk- if you, we think back to chapter 1 where he formed him in his mother's womb, he knew him before that. It's in his bones. It's in his heart. This is what he's made to do, and he can't hold it back. It's almost like the alternative. It's almost like stopping was worse than continuing. Continuing with the persecution, with the difficulties, was better than the alternative of actually just stopping and quitting. Because Jeremiah knew he had that purpose. And I can relate to this. I shared a little bit this morning as well that this is a verse that has spoken to me in times where I've come where I've thought, God, I just cannot go on. God, I just cannot continue. But this verse has spoken in such it's been such a blessing to me. And this verse, the, the quote that um, Eric Little, you know, Eric Little, the chariots of fire, um, and he said this, he said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And I love that because it really does tie into what Jeremiah is saying. I, I'm made to do this. And actually fulfilling God's purpose in my life is the greatest pleasure you can endure. Even though, even though things come against you, the pleasure of serving God in the way that he has asked you to is the greatest pleasure of all. I shared also a little bit, and, and, and I realize I'm, I'm, I'm covering the same territory here today, but uh, about the, the cheetah. I was, we were in Africa just 2010, before we had kids, 
And I remember going through, um, going to, 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 a, to see a, a game park. To see a, it was more, more like a game enclosure with captive animals. And I remember seeing the cheetah enclosure. And there was like a track. It was a fairly big enclosure, but certainly not big enough for a cheetah. And I remember this track that was just going round and round the edges of the enclosure. That that cheetah was almost like a frustration, like he just couldn't get out of that enclosure. And it almost seemed like, although they had the best interest of this animal at heart, he was just, he was being held back from the purpose of just being fast, of being a cheetah, of just belting it out at, at, at that pace that God created him to run at. And on that very same trip, we were able to go to the Kruger Park and we were able to see a cheetah in the wild. And we were able to see, not running, but certainly just almost strolling across the savannah, just and, and you could almost see every muscle in any, every sinew, and you could imagine just that cheetah taking off without any limits into what God created that cheetah to be. And I use that illustration because, you know, in many ways the cheetah in the wild is probably at more risk of not finding food, of pe- perhaps the elements that would come against it, of other, other animals. And, and in terms of lifespan, in terms of danger, That cheetah has more danger than the one in the enclosure, but it's got the full capacity of the purpose of God. You know, I sometimes think that for us as well, that yes, things may come against us. Yes, it may be hard, but you know what? The best thing ever is just to run at full speed for the purposes that God has created you for. And... In verse 11, it says this. It says, this is chapter 20, verse 11. It says, but the Lord is with me. And again, that's that, that mention of presence. Like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Again, talking about the presence of God. You see, God has created us with purpose. But he also promises his presence. If we have purpose, but we don't have the presence of God, well, we remember the the disciples had received their calling. They, They had received what their purpose was. God, Jesus had told them, but he said, wait. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Wait until the presence of the Most High comes and and fills you in the Holy Spirit. And then you can continue. Then you can achieve the purposes that I have called you. Don't do anything until that time. And so purpose without presence is a little lopsided, isn't it? But equally so, presence without purpose. God's presence, we can enjoy His presence. We can sit in church. The Holy Spirit can fall upon us. We can worship Him and and we can go home and never lift a finger. And that as well is, is lopsided, isn't it? It's like these two things go hand in hand, that God has given us purpose, but He's promised His presence too. You know, I really felt as I was preparing for this, and I said this in Elkiston this morning, that more than anything, yes, this is a word for people who, who haven't found Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that, definitely. It's for those that are seeking their purpose, yes. It's for those that maybe don't have enough boldness and, and feel they need boldness, yes. It's for all of those things, but I felt more strongly than ever that it's for those people that have, that have found their purpose 
But along the way, like Jeremiah, between chapters 1 and 20, they found discouragement, that they found obstacles, that they found struggles, and they say, Lord, I'm, I'm at the point of quitting, God. I wanted to serve you, but God, I never knew it was going to be this hard. And I feel God wants to speak into individual lives to say, don't give up. Don't give up. His purpose hasn't changed. His presence is with you. Don't give up. And even if it's just for one person, it's worth saying. And I do feel that it was a message that Ilkeston needed to hear. I feel it's a message that Mansfield needs to hear. So that maybe there's somebody here who wasn't there in the morning who, who just needs to hear that word. Eleni and I have, have gone through a lot. and There have been times where we've wanted to give up. There have been times where we have felt, this is it, God. But his presence has always been with us and always encouraged us. In 2009, Eleni was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and, and it hit us really hard. And and for those of you that know much about that disease, it is, it is almost like a life sentence um, in many ways. And, and at the time, we were just struggling to find our feet to say, God, where do you want us? What do you want us to do? We're trying to struggle our way and, and move forward into God's purposes. And it was just like a real gut blow. And, and we felt, God, we cannot go on. We cannot go on, God. But we didn't have kids at that stage, and, and now... You know, we probably at that stage, there was temptation to think that would never be something. Alina had lost mobility in her one side. She couldn't see out of the one eye, and, and it, was, it was a hard time for us. But by the grace of God, he brought us through. And that's why even when I, when I see these little handfuls that we've got, I just praise God because, you know what, he's blessed us, and Alini's healthy, and she has been for seven years, and, and I tell you that not for any other reason but to encourage you because it may not be like Jeremiah. Those struggles may not come from people tying you up on the city gates and rebuking you and, and mocking you, but, you know, in, discouragements come your way. Things come against you, but be strong and know that God's purpose never changes. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't form you and then regret that he actually ever formed you and planned you. No, he still has a purpose for you. And he doesn't leave us as orphans. He provides us with his presence to encourage us and to, to uplift us and keep us through. And so I'm, I'm going to hand over to Christian just to, to, to maybe finish up. But Bless you all, and thank you so much for the opportunity this morning and this evening just to, to share with you. And uh, God bless you all.